the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. D-Day is drawing near for crypto asset service providers, otherwise known as CASPs. They have until 30th of November this year to apply for financial service provider or FSP licenses. That will bring them under the scrutiny of the FSCA, the Financial Services Conduct Authority, and they'll have to submit regular reports to the financial authority. The hope is that this will choke off many of the crypto-related scams that have spread across the country in the last few years, the most prominent of which, of course, was Mirror Trading International. To explore this further, we're joined by Gerard van Deventer, Head of Enforcement at the FSCA. Hi Gerard, it's good to talk to you again. When uh, these licenses come into effect, which I presume is sometime in 2024, can you give us a sense of how this is going to change the crypto landscape in South Africa? Hi, good morning, Kieran. It's nice to speak to you as well. And thank you for the opportunity. Yes, so so let me start off by um, talking to you about the general exemption that's out there. So crypto is now regulated, but there's a general exemption to give people the opportunity to get their house in order. But it's not uh, really the same as the general exemption we had for ODP licenses. In this instance, the exemption comes with some very specific uh, conditions. And the most important one is the one you've mentioned already, is that you must have an application in to be part of the exemption. In the meantime, our general code of conduct for, for FSPs also apply. And that general code of conduct is, is a very important code. You know, that's where we regulate things like you must act with due care and diligence towards your clients and you must always act in the best interest of clients. So it's that principle-based um, dictate on how you should act. Um, so that's, that is important. And that's where our FSPs that's on the wrong side of the line sometimes fail. And then, of course, the general fit and proper requirements will also apply, except for some very specific ones that won't be applicable and then maybe I'll just lastly mention that the FECA is working on a competency framework um, for these applicants. You can imagine that's not an easy task. My, my colleagues on the licensing and policy and framework side are working very hard on this um, to come up with, with, with a framework that will be suitable for, for crypto advisors. Um, but yes, it will certainly change the landscape in the sense that we will not now only be um, regulating, supervising, and as far as I'm concerned, very important, enforcing uh, the law as it as it uh, stands with reference to crypto derivatives, which we've always done, but now also to crypto as, as the base financial product. And I certainly hope you're right that we will choke off scams, um, but I do believe scams will always be with us. So, this type of thing that you're doing right now, very, very important to educate the public. Have you got any idea how many of these crypto asset service providers have applied for license? And just as a follow-up on that, you, you spoke about an ODP license, which is the over-the-counter derivatives provider license. So that, that's for people who are trading contracts for differences, CFDs and things like that. Now, a lot of the crypto exchanges in South Africa are not involved in derivative exchanges they or derivative products. They are just doing spot crypto, right? So there, there is a different kind of license that will be applied here. Am I correct? 
That's entirely uh, correct, Karen. So um, starting with the ODPs, yeah, that, that is a provider. So it's not an intermediary. That's the big difference. Um, so your requirements, your capital adequacy requirements, and especially your um, risk management procedures, very important there. And and that's that's quite a, a deep set of rules when you when you're talking about that type of risk management. Um, so that's quite different. These crypto licenses we're talking about right now, that is an intermediary license. So that's the guys that will be the in between. And uh, if you talk about um, financial services in South Africa, in terms of our framework, you're talking about either advice or um, intermediary services, which is execution or, or of course, um, uh, if you manage um, investments on a, on, a dis, on a discretionary basis. But yes, that, that is quite a difference. As far as your question about how many I've spoken to my colleagues in licensing, they've got nine new applications, but they have 54 applications for variations. This basically means existing FSPs that would like to add um, crypto to, to their license. So is that 54 plus nine? 54 plus nine, that's correct. That's, that's quite a lot. Um, I get the sense that a lot of the the companies involved in crypto, the CASPs, they already went quite some distance towards ensuring that they would be compliant with this this new regulation. For example, they all have risk management teams on board. They uh, do a lot of reporting already, I suppose, you know, for their own management. Now, they're going to have to report on a monthly basis to the FSCA, a whole range of different metrics, I suppose, that are going to be gathered there. Uh, do you get the sense that they're prepared and they're ready for what is going to come in terms of the new regulation? Yeah, I, I think you you have to distinguish, of course, between um, the the crypto providers that are serious about their business and uh, that um, that understand that these risk management tools and compliance and these things are very important for themselves, of course, to to have a viable business. Um, so. I think in that instance, I have no doubt that uh, they have gone a long way, and I think there's there's probably some good applications in there, no doubt. But unfortunately, Kiran, that's not the whole group. I don't have to tell you this; you know this as well as I do. And that is, then there's the rest, the rest of the bunch, those fly by nights and those chances and scammers and what have you. And I have never heard of any of them caring about risk management or reporting or <laughs> or compliance or anything like that. So, yes, that, that would be the situation. So I guess in the future, somebody who, uh, you know, wants to know, should I trust this particular company? They can go to the FSCA website and they'll see whether this company is licensed or not. I mean, that is going to be the the first point of any due diligence that you should do if you're engaging with a crypto asset company, right? Absolutely. I can't stress that enough um, that you should not just jump into some Facebook page or some website and believe you are now okay. Your first port of call should be to see whether this, this entity has a license in due time. Um, and, and I think the upside of that now is that in the past, the scammers could claim that they trade in crypto, and that really left us in the dark because what can we say? We can't say you need a license. Don't trust these people because they need a license, um, because they didn't need a license. And that has now changed. And 
now you can accept that if somebody is offering crypto to you and they don't have a license in, in due time, um, then you are working with somebody who op is operating outside the law. But of course, um, that's not the only thing you can do. Um, it's, it's um, you know, there are, there are so many red flags that are so obvious, Kiran, and you and I have spoken about it so often, you know, and that's the unrealistic returns. Look out for that. Uh, a guaranteed capital or guaranteed profit, when you see that word reported to us and stay away. Vague information, unprofessional websites, and if they try to instill a sense of urgency, those are all things that you must be very careful of. But I would actually say do something as simple as Googling the company because um, you, you'll be amazed at what pop up. There will be somebody who's already complained about them. We're living in this fantastic age of having information at our fingertips. Um, and, um, and yeah, that is, um, you, you can do your own due diligence. And of course, um, bottom line is work through your bank or your financial advisor that you trust. Don't go for the website and the, and the Facebook and those things. Go, go to somebody you trust. And then, but I think the most important one, uh, Kiran, and, and, and I know you will agree with me on this one, because we've also had discussions. Do not put your money in any financial product or any product that you don't understand. So as far as crypto is concerned, make sure you understand the drivers of the price. If you don't understand the drivers of the price of crypto and the specific crypto you're investigating in, then you're asking for trouble. I was looking through your website and you have quite a, a brisk flow of press releases coming out almost daily where you, you're warning the public against investing or engaging with one company or another. And it does seem that the, the crypto scams are not quite as prevalent as they were in the past. There are quite a few forex scams, but not so many crypto scams. What are the trends that you are seeing in terms of just scams? Yeah, no, no, no. It's not. Uh, there's certainly not a let up on that, unfortunately. Um, I think what you say, what you're seeing might just be a little bit of drag because we have to contact uh, these entities first to give them an opportunity to reply and so forth. But I can tell you, if you were to peek into my new cases flowing in on my assessments unit side, you will see that crypto is very much still alive and well. Crypto scams. Um, but there's two interesting trends that I can maybe share with you. And the one is um, Facebook. Facebook seems to be a very popular crypto scam and general scam spot these days. It, it looks like it's well designed for it. <laughs> My apologies to Facebook. And the other interesting scam, <laughs> the other interesting thing that we see is, and I'm sure you would have noticed this, is the use of celebrity names and photos even, uh, where these celebrities then claim, and South African celebrities, where they then claim big winnings, and in this way the victims are encouraged to join. Needless to say, Kiran, as you would have guessed, these celebrities are completely unaware of the fact that they've made these big winnings uh, when it comes to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, and we published this in the past in MoneyWeb, that, that people should do is, uh, you know, first of all, check if the company's got an office. You know, if they say they've got an office in Cape Town, you know, and you're about to put all your life savings into it, go and take a little trip down there and, and walk in and see if there is an office. Because oftentimes you find it's not. It's a, it's a fake address. 
and uh, look out for, you know, bad English on the website and all of these other kind of red flags, as you've already mentioned, you know, capital guarantees and you're going to earn 10% a week and on all of this kind of thing. That, that, that's just, uh, that just smells to high heaven, right? No, absolutely. And it's, this is something I've said so many times. If somebody has come across this wonderful secret to make money on investments, the absolute last thing he or she is going to do is to share it. <laughs> that is something you're going to play very close to your chest. Talking about visiting the, the offices, this is, of course, something we do when we start our investigation. We do something we call mystery shopping. And mystery shopping also has another meaning in the regulatory field. But enforcement, we talk about going for a visit to the premises and seeing if you can make an investment. Kind of undercover type of thing. And that's usually good at, good information to start uh, an affidavit for an execution warrant, for a, for a search warrant. But you are so right. Just drive past the premises. Half of the time you're going to find an open field or the people are not known there or it's an empty office or whatever the case may be. And then you have your answer. Just going back to cryptos for a minute. I imagine with all of these licenses that are about to be issued to crypto providers, and I presume that there's quite a process that you've got to go through, and, and we may only see these licenses getting issued in 2024. And as you've already mentioned, until then, there's an exemption in place. But your team, I imagine, is going to be quite busy because of the flow of information that is going to be coming through on a monthly basis, right? Are you geared up for this in terms of, you know, your personnel in the FSCA to handle this kind of flow? Yeah, so it won't exactly be my team. It will be, of course, licensing division and supervision conduct of business. But you are absolutely right. This is a huge additional responsibility for the FECA and it's it's a lot of additional work but we are very very aware of it and we've known about it for a long time so my colleagues are most definitely geared up for it um there there is an existing phase framework um that has reporting requirements like you know the submission of annual financial statements and compliance reports and so forth so that will be immediately applicable um, and that will generate a fair amount of work. But we have analysts that are experts in that field that, that, will, that will deal with that. Um, and then, of course, the crypto FSPs will also have to adhere to the conduct of business reporting that's being developed and, and rolled out. So you're absolutely right. It is certainly additional work. But um, we, my colleagues have not been sitting around and waiting for, for the tsunami. They, they have been planning for it quite extensively. Now, last time we spoke, you brought up an interesting topic about copy trading. Uh, copy trading is where, for those who don't know, is, you know, a lot of these Forex brokers, they offer the service whereby you, they get an expert and you can kind of replicate his trade. So he goes in, he goes long the, the euro, US dollar. You follow him into that trade and, and you hopefully make some money. I didn't realize at the time that, of course, that, that might amount to uh, giving financial advice. Um, what is also happening is a lot of robot providers, you know, people who do automated trading. This is all done by computer. Does this also amount to investment advice? And if so, would these people offering those kind of services like copy trading and robots, would they also need to be licensed by the FSCA? 
That's a very interesting uh, question, Kiran, and thank you for asking it because there's also a lot of misunderstanding around that. Nowhere in our law does it say that there, there has to be a warm body somewhere for you to require a license. I mean, somebody owns the bot and somebody runs the bot, etc. So to answer your question, um, firstly, I think I should say, in all fairness, and maybe my view of the world is a bit skewed, given that I'm, that enforcement is my job. Um, but um, firstly, please, public must be aware that most of those advertisements about bot trading are scams. Um, that's the most important and first point. And you will recall mirror trading that you refer to. There, Mr. Steinberg, who's now in jail in South America waiting to be extradited, he also claimed that all this money he's making with his, his crypto, which turned out to be the biggest crypto Ponzi scheme, was because he had this fantastic bot that was developed by somebody. And we found that developer, and the developer was very surprised to hear that he's developed this bot. I think the bottom line, I think the bottom line is that there isn't a bot out there that's going to make you that type of return. And once again, I reiterate, if I had a bot like that, I certainly won't tell you or your listeners or anybody on, on, on the internet. <laughs> so um, to get to your question, um, if there's a bot trading on your behalf, there's a couple of touch points with our licensing framework. So um, I have difficulty in seeing that it will easily be advice. I don't think it will easily be advice, but that's not where face business ends, of course. So I think um, it's very likely if this bot is going to execute trades on your behalf, that it will amount to intermediary services, execution, in other words. That is, that is face business. For that, you need a license. And then the other one is also if this bot is actually making decisions on your behalf, and even if it's really basic decisions, then you're looking possibly at discretionary asset management. In other words, discretionary trading. And that's a type of thing where you give your money to an asset manager. He makes the decisions on your behalf. So that's quite a heavy license. You know, that's not a license that you can easily get. Um, so, yes, um, Kiran, my answer is most definitely people who run these bots um, will have to take a very careful look because 99% of the time they are going to need a license. Right. And, and you know, my experience with these bots as well, which is not extensive, but they work for a period and then they fail because markets are dynamic. They're changing all the time. So, you know, you, you, you can back engineer these things to look very good and, and, and very profitable. But in a live market condition, it's, you know, they, they fall over eventually. Absolutely. You are absolutely right. My experience as well, and not not that I have any money to give to a bot. I work for the FECA, but, but um, in, in our investigations, we found that where these bots are marginally successful, you have to maintain that code all the time, which is exactly what you've said. Okay, just a final question here. You, as well as we at MoneyWeb, we get quite a few approaches from people who've been scammed, and it, it always surprises me uh, how creative the, the scammers are. Uh, there's, there's a new one that we wrote about a, a week ago called the Ancestral Spirit Scam. This is where uh, they, uh, you go to a Sangoma, and uh, he's going to miraculously you know, turn your, your small pile of money into a big pile of money. And, and it, it's, it's amazing how many people have been caught up in this thing. Now, that's just one of them. But for the general advice for people 
what to look out for. We've covered a few points. Go and visit the premises. Uh, don't believe these uh, returns, uh, you know, that are 7% a week or 10% a week. What else would you advise people to look out for? Yeah, look, I, I think that the basic um, avoidance technique is here. Think about it logically. Think about what you're looking at logically. Is that at all possible? And if it was possible, would, would, would somebody advertise it? Um, and, and But I must say still, um, at the risk of repeating, Kiran, my big issue is, is still unrealistic returns um, and, and guaranteed um, capital. And it's simply because an unrealistic return is, is not possible. Uh, that's the one thing. And, and the other thing is um, your capital cannot be guaranteed. It can be guaranteed to a, to a fairly uh, great degree if you're investing in a very conservative basic product like a unit trust or a money market with a big bank or something like that. But anything outside that, your capital is not guaranteed. And if somebody is prepared to say that, I can bet my bottom dollar that is an unlawful situation because the, the, the FSCA code of conduct and laws prohibits that. If you're an FSP, you're not allowed to say your capital is guaranteed because it will be a lie. So so that is a, certainly a great indication. Um, and um, yeah, I'm 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 now at the point after after all these years to say that just stay away from any ads uh, for investment on the internet. Stick with your with your trusted advisors. That is that is probably the only way to get out of this safely. And every now and then, even your trusted advisor may fail you, but at least then we can do something about it. Yeah, agreed. Gerard van Deventer, Head of Enforcement at the Financial Services Conduct Authority. Thanks so much for joining us, Gerard. Good to talk to you again. Always a pleasure, Kiran. You know, our, our approach to enforcement is, is um, credible deterrence through visible enforcement. And I've said to you before, I really appreciate your part that you play in the visible part of enforcement. So thank you very much again. You're most welcome, Gerard. Thank you. for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.